This morning we asked the question, how does, it, how does it look to you now? How does it look to you? From Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Last week we touched on the theme of developing a godly perspective, not just because it's the first Sunday of the year, but certainly it applies to the year ahead of us and beyond. And But this morning we're going to follow up on a similar theme. And last week we based on the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. In his second letter, twice in chapter 4, he uses the expression, we do not lose heart, or as it has it in other versions, we don't give up. We don't give up. He had to say this because everything within him, physically speaking, emotionally speaking, wanted to give up. He felt discouraged. If you read some of the early parts of the second letter, we picked that up. But over and over, what matters was his service to God way beyond his own personal feelings. It's because over over and above whatever was happening around him, there was another reality, there was another dynamic at work in the spiritual realm which he could not see, but which God was doing, in which God was active. And the challenge for us, as he challenged, as the Apostle Paul challenged us, was that we are to focus on the unseen reality, that which we cannot see, rather than on, the, on that which is seen, on the material reality. One is wasting away, wearing out. It has a use-by date. Ever since Genesis chapter 3, it has a use-by date. While the other, the unseen, the spiritual reality, in Christ it is being made new, renewed, made eternal, and it is eternal and it is glorious beyond comparison. Now, while we certainly like some of the Eastern religions, we don't deny the existence of the material reality. We don't think that this is simply just a shadow or or that it's something that is imaginary. No. God created the physical world. In our series in Genesis, we certainly see that. It's all been created by God. But this is not the be-all and end-all of who we are. For those who believe in Christ, this is simply a warm-up. The school, the tent we live in while we prepare for our permanent residence. Now, as a challenge for this second Sunday of the New Year 2017, I want us to to follow on the theme of, of, of developing a heavenly perspective But we're going to go back and and consider some of these truths but from the perspective of a passage from the Old Testament. The book of Haggai uh, is one of the the shortest books in the Bible. It's one of the shortest books in the Old Testament. And this is why in most Bibles it's only about two pages long. It's not very big at all. But don't be fooled by its length, because those two pages are packed with some of some real encouragement, some real truths that speak to us 
today just as it spoke to the people then and through the ages. Just a little background on the book. It's, it's about the return of the Judeans, of the Jews to Judah after their captivity in Babylon and it happened about 536 BC, 536 before Christ. So it's about, what, two and a half thousand years ago. You see, after the destruction of Jerusalem, they spent 70 years in captivity and they were exiled to several countries but mainly to Babylon. Well, superpowers change, right? Who we think is the big cheese today won't be tomorrow. And in those days, superpowers used to take turns. So gone are the Babylonians and in come the Persians. In 539 BC, the Persians conquered Babylon and the new emperor was Cyrus the Great. He issued a decree granting permission for the exiled inhabitants of Judah to return to their homeland and to start rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, the walls, and quite central to the rebuilding of the city was the temple. Now, King Cyrus appointed two men to lead this population of about 50,000 people back to Judah. They were Zerubbabel, and Joshua. As this returning population of 50,000 returned to Jerusalem, they encountered some difficult situations. The initial, there was an initial, obviously, as they came back, there was enthusiasm. Everybody was excited coming back home. And this initial enthusiasm to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and its temple was, however, soon giving way to discouragement and apathy as the struggle to provide for the necessities of of, of everyday life became more difficult. In addition to the struggle to provide for daily needs, the inhabitants of Jerusalem faced opposition from the Samaritans. When the exiles, you see, returned to Judah, the Samaritans requested to help rebuild the temple. But the Samaritans were, I suppose, in some way related to the Jews, but they were considered violators of the, of the law, of the Mosaic law. They didn't keep their purity. The Samaritans had married people who worshipped other gods, So when the leaders of the exile rejected the request of the Samaritans to help and reconstruct the temple, the Samaritans were insulted and and they, they then tried to disrupt the work of rebuilding the temple and the city of Jerusalem. Consequently, the work on rebuilding the temple stalled for about 16 years. Nothing happened. At about 520 BC, it restarted through the ministry of the prophets like Haggai and Zechariah. That's why we see their their books in the Bible. That's That's the background of these two books of the Old Testament. And what the ministry of Haggai and Zechariah was to 
to challenge the people, to not lose hope, to encourage them, to focus on the task at hand because God was with them. It is interesting that it was mainly the older people who were getting discouraged. Why is that? Well, to understand it, you have to go back to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 6. You see, the temple that they were working on now was to rebuild the old temple, Solomon's temple, that was destroyed by the Babylonians. The building of this, of that first temple of of Solomon, that was, that was really something. It, it involved tens of thousands of people. It was an enormous, enormous project in scale. We're talking 30,000 30, people who were employed in cutting timber for the project, 80,000 cutters of stone and, and the, in the quarries. There were 70,000 ordinary men and, the, and their leading hands and their workmen and everybody else rebuilding this this structure. And what was happening is that some of these older people who, who knew about all that, they were comparing the project, one project to the other. They'd heard about it, they knew about it. And the Lord who knows people's hearts saw that they were getting depressed. The first temple had gold, had silver, precious stones imported from other lands. It was beautiful, it was glorious, it, it was wow. A lot of money then, a lot of money to thrive out and it all just flowed in. It was unbelievable. Think like the older generation would think and put yourself in their shoes. Can you hear some of the comments? Can you believe it? They're trying to make this one better than the other one? Hmm. Yeah, right. Like this one's ever going to measure up to that. Come on, who are you kidding? We don't have enough people to do the job. Look at us. We don't have enough skilled workmen here. We did, where are we going to get the materials from? We don't have enough money. Look at the young people. They're not going to be involved in this. They don't, they, they're sleeping in. They don't, they don't want to get up and work. I just don't think this is going to work. It's just not going to be the same. So Haggai called by the Lord, delivers this message in, in verse 2 and, and verse 2, 3 to 4. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Is the question. Who's left? Okay, hands up. And the question here is this. How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like Nothing. Well, yeah, it's just a pile of rubble, really. All the gold is taken away. It's just, it's just a wreck. 
just a bomb. And it's true, that was a question, that was a challenge. And, then, and, and now it says this, But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. So the Lord is encouraging the encouragers. Because one of the things, I have to be honest with you, one of the things that, that the enemy will attack, the people will be discouraged, but the leaders get discouraged even more. One of the, if you read any of the biographies of missionaries and pastors, one of the greatest things that we always have to face is discouragement. You have people encouraging you, but you also have enough of people telling you how you're to do your job. You can do it better. Look at there, they're doing it better. Why can't we be like them? And it goes on and on. I help pastors. I, 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 I try to encourage other pastors who are going through discouragement or on the cusp of just throwing it all away because of the challenges. And, and as much as, as one tries to encourage the other, ultimately it is really only God who can make a difference and, and he's your boss. He's the one that you, you're accountable to and he's the one that, that says to me and to my colleagues and to missionaries, others who are in in, in leadership positions, he's the one that says, Now be strong, O Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be st-. And then the challenge goes from the priest, the challenge goes to the people. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares, declares the Lord. And work. Now, I just want to hear the encouragement. I don't want to work. I just want to hear the good messages, you know, you go online and, oh, just be strong, and then it says work. No, I don't like that. And work. Why? For I am with you. I am with you. Who's the I? That's God. Ultimately, we serve the one. You and I. Him. He's the one we serve. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. It's not the Lord, the provider. He specifically, many times, the name of the Lord that he's used is the Lord Almighty. Because he is the powerful one. He doesn't lack money. He doesn't lack strength. He's the one that provides. He's the one that encourages us. He's the one that keeps us going in all that we do. The same God that was with you during the building of the first temple is the same God that is with you today in the midst of all this rubble. It's the same God, same boss, same one. He hasn't changed. And he's saying, cheer up, get going. I'm still God, I'm still on the throne. I'm here, I'm looking out for you. So let's focus on the question in the middle of the third verse. It says, how does it look to you now? It's actually a good question to ask during the first few weeks 
of the new year, isn't it? How does it look to you now? Usually when the question arises, there is a frame of reference. So one might ask, how does it look compared to what exactly? That's the frame of reference. Obviously, compared to the old temple. Let's ask the question here. How does it look to you now? Well, compared to what, Paul? There are many here who remember another era. But our memory is quite selective, isn't it, when we remember another time? Our memory goes through all these filters that we highlight some things and forget about others. For example, some old-timers might remember the phrase, keep calm and carry on. No? Keep calm and carry on. That was the message throughout the British Empire at the breakout of the Second World War. You see, what happened was the British Empire, through Chamberlain, idiot, uh, basically denied that there was any conflict, that there was going to be peace throughout the empire. There was nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it. So Germany invaded Czechoslovakia. Who cares about the Czechs? Don't worry about them. There's going to be peace in our time, he said. So he he could have said, keep calm, carry on, don't worry. But then war broke out, right? When Germany invaded Poland. And then the tune changed. Keep calm and carry on because war has broken out. Well, hang on. I thought there was no war. Why? Because they needed, the leaders need to reassure the people that who were panicking, who were living in denial, we have to accept a new reality. There's a new frame of reference. There's, there's a new emergency at hand. So they printed posters, propaganda and everything else and obviously they had to change leadership and that's when, after a short time, obviously you had great leadership emerging in Great Britain because they needed to offset the panic and discouragement during the war and through Churchill and, and others they started to rebuild the British people. Denial is not on. We have to accept reality. Let's change it to another frame of reference. On another realm, people recall going to church, what going to church was like in Australia in the 50s and 60s and 70s with our Sunday schools packed to the brim going to, you know, when the shops were closed on Saturdays at midday. Sunday was the day of the Lord. Everybody went to church. And you visit any church in Australia and they inevitably, they all have had their glory days. It goes somewhere around the 70s, round about there. It's glory days. And I 
keep getting reminded whenever I visit churches about the glory days. Now, I don't know how helpful it is to remind the younger generation who didn't live then of the glory days. I just don't know how helpful that is. Of the days of the past. They were not there. More than that, we cannot go back there and somehow recreate the past. It was a different time, different circumstances. We're not going to go back there. But let's not go back too far. Let's simply go back over the past year or two. How does it look to you now? Probably even this year already looks a little bit different than it did back in 2016 or 2015. Physically, we can look back and see all the pounds we lost or all the pounds we regained, all the resolutions that we broke. Spiritually, how would you trace your spiritual maturity? Did you, you know, is it going like this or is it, is there a pattern? Do you love God more now than you did then? Do you love his people more than you did then? I'm not asking you how much money you have, how your investments have gone up, how the price of your home and blah, blah, blah. Talking spiritually speaking, how are you doing? How does it look to you now? As we look forward to the prospects of the year, how does it look to us? Do we see doom and gloom? Some of the, the prophets of doom tell us that 2017 is going to, we're going to have a recession with interest rates rising, that the world economy is going to contract, that uh, eventually all this free money that's flowing in low interest and everything else, somebody has to pay the piper, right? Other forecasters are telling, no, the good times will continue to roll on. It's good, man. It's a great time to be alive. That we're going to expect great things happening. That stability will continue. That all of that. Yet, in the spiritual realm, while we see in Australia, that interest in spiritual things is waning, that you know, safe schools and all this stuff is going on, that we have leadership with no courage whatsoever. We're lacking leadership. That we, and yet you turn your eyes in the midst of persecution, there is evidence that there are unprecedented numbers of people coming to Christ in the Middle East in the midst of persecution. How do you understand that? In the midst of torture and despair and everything else, people are coming to Christ in record numbers like we have not seen. Is God still God? Absolutely. How does it look to you now? What is your frame of reference? Do you see clouds or sunshine? Do you see despair or hope? 
actually, we actually see what we want to see. And uh, there's a uh, behavioral scientists have discovered that we're actually prepared to see the things that we want to see. They, um, they say that we have a, a, a network of nerve cells. Our, our nervous system has a, a network of cells called the reticular activating system. Reticular activating system. Sounds like a new car, doesn't it? That uh, new system in our cars. And apparently all of us have this in our brain. It works like this. Once something has been brought to your attention, to our attention, and we have been prepared to see it, we'll see it virtually everywhere we go. So, for example, let me give you an example. If you decide to buy a car and you, you buy the car and you drive it home, whether it's new or whether it's second-hand, for the next few weeks and months, you are going to see that car everywhere. You're going to see that car everywhere you go. Happened to you, right? It's like you walk out of there and it's like, now nah, you'll see them on the roads, in the newspapers, you see them online, you're comparing theirs to yours and wondering if you got a good deal, you were ripped off. What has happened? Those cars were always there, but the moment you were prepared to see them, your reticular activating system kicked in and suddenly you saw them everywhere. Happens in other areas of our lives as well. We're prepared. We see what we're prepared to see. And if we're able to, if we want to see gloom and doom, we're going to see it everywhere. If we are prepared to see sunshine and opportunities, despite the trials and difficulties you may face, that's what we're going to see. What you see is what you get. Some of us here are a proof of the miracle of God in their lives. I think all of us are, but some of us especially. For example, if, if Gordon Shaw had seen himself as sickly and, and disabled, he would have been gone to heaven a long time ago. But he's still, he's still here with us and heaven has to wait because he still wants to be here with us, with his wife, with his family. If you were to ask him, how are you going, Gordon? He'll say, oh, I'm terrific. He's falling apart, but he's terrific. And that's a godly attitude. That's a godly attitude because he says, oh, I want to be with God's people. It's an effort to come to church on a Sunday morning. Of course it is. But he's here with Patricia, and, and, and it's a witness to all of us. And you see, you're going to see what you want to see. Do you want to see, see your, your, your weaknesses and you're going to see your, how, how terrible things are and, and it's doom and your problems and your difficulties and your trials and everything else? If that is what you focus that's what you're going to see and eventually it'll take over. A recurring difficulty in our journey of life is becoming so focused on what we need at the moment 
that we forget what we already have. Let's go back to these people in Babylon who came back to to Jerusalem. A while ago, these people were sad being in Babylon. Psalm 137 tells about the, the yearning to go back to the promised land, to go back to Jerusalem. They were sad because they wanted to go back home. And now that they're back home, they're still sad. What's going on, mate? I thought you wanted to come home. So what do you want? You're not happy anywhere, are you? They should have been grateful for the fact that they're back home. Hey, don't worry about it. Let's rubble, let's celebrate the rubbles. Let's do some, I don't know, rock throwing contest or something. I'm reminded of the words of Psalm 103 that we read earlier. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why? Because we do tend to forget. So let us not forget his benefits. Let us not forget his blessings. Let us not forget that he is the forgiver. He is the healer. He is the redeemer. He is the provider. He is the satisfier. He is the renewer. He is the encourager. He is the counsellor. He is with us. He is our strength in all that we do. How could we forget that? No less than three times in this passage, God says, be strong. Be strong to Zerubbabel. Be strong to the high priest. Be strong to the people. Why repeat it so many times? Because they needed to hear it. And God was with them. Here is the reason you can be strong. I am with you. I have made a covenant with you, a promise. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Every time you hear an earthquake, God is shaking the earth. It's not global warming. It's not blah, blah, blah. It's God. He's blowing the trumpet. He's trying to remind people that he's still on the throne. I'm going to shake the sea, the dry land. I'm going to shake the nations. And and referring to the ultimate revelation in Jesus Christ, he says, the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. And when he talks about the house, yes, they were thinking physically, but obviously with Jesus, the house is extended. God is living in us through the Holy Spirit. The veil was torn. God is not reduced to just one place in one location. God is with us. Where two or three are gathered in his name, God is with us. How do you see the church? As you look around, what do you see? How does it look to you now? Remember the words of Jesus, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
That's pretty, that's pretty darn sure, isn't it? It's not going to happen, guys. It is God's power that enables us to do his work. So, do you see nothing or do you see sons and daughters of God in whom the Holy Spirit dwells? As you look around in our world, what do you see? I see people who are lost, who are heading towards an eternity in hell and they need God. What do you see? We're going to see what we want to see. Help us see the situation through God's eyes rather than through the newspapers and through social media and everything else. Help us filter everything through the eyes of God. Nothing is impossible for him. He still does. He still wants to work through his church, through his people. In verses 8 and 9, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Almighty. Oh, you thought you owned your bank account? Well, that's actually God's, actually. I don't, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it actually belongs to God. Your house? No, it belongs to God. Everything is mine, says the Lord. And the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant my peace, declares the Lord Almighty. God wants a willing people, a willing church to answer his call, to listen to his words, to heed the challenge, to be strong, to reach out to a world that desperately needs to hear this message of hope. And may God bless us.